Welcome to Walking Backwards. I'm Brad Gourmet. This week's guest is Steadicam operator Aaron Medic. And Aaron did one of my favorite shows of the past 10 years, Mr. Robot. So we talk a lot about that, which was really cool for me, hopefully for you too. Uh, we also talked about uh, the union a bit and some issues regarding hours and time off and things like that. And I'm sorry if you live in another country and, you know, the union doesn't pertain to you, but the issues we're discussing do pertain to you, you know, working really long hours, um, strange hours, not sleeping enough. It's all really bad for your health. And um, while, you know, some of that is just necessary because of the business we're in, um, it's it's been excessive for quite a while now. So anyway, we just discussed that and uh, I don't think we've... uh, quite solved the issue yet but um you know it doesn't hurt to talk about it and try to figure it out figure out what we can do all right um this week there is no best worst and i can only blame one person myself um aaron's interview was a bit of a whirlwind and i just i just forgot it completely slipped my mind and so sorry about that but there are best worsts up for everybody else um since i started doing it and there are more coming um, so if you want to check those out, you can at patreon.com slash walking backwards. They're just a little bonus for my Patreon subscribers. And, um, I think they're cool. I hope you do too. Thank you to Tiff and Steadicam for their support. You know, the whole reason they support this show is because they want to support the Steadicam community. And I think they believe that this podcast is at least a fun thing for the community and hopefully informative. And, uh, so I really appreciate them doing that. Uh, also, thank you to Walter Clausen FX, who've been making great stuff in support of the Steadicam community for a long time, and continue to do so. You can find me at the number one giant robot on Instagram, or you can look up the Walking Backwards page on Facebook and join that. I post new episodes there, so uh, you'll always have the freshest one. All right, let's get to it. Here's my interview with Aaron. Thanks for joining me today, Aaron. I know you just got back from, uh, or you just came from the airport straight here. <laughs> I did. I just landed at LAX and drove over. I was like, no, you can go to your hotel first and like get comfort. It's fine. And you were like, nah, it's probably just easier. I'm like, okay. Yeah, I thought I was going to have a meeting this evening. Ah. Uh, uh, so, but okay. I don't have to go. Oh, okay. Good. Uh, that saved you. Um, well, I appreciate it. We, we were just talking. You said you live on Long Island? I do. I live right by Jones Beach. Okay, I don't know where that Which is. Which is like Some a 40-minute drive out of Manhattan. Oh, okay. With no traffic. Okay. And it's, you know, sometimes two hours if there's been an accident. Sure. Or rush hour or something. Yeah. Yeah. That was, Kat was telling me the, the same thing. <laughs> like, right, so. It can yeah. be brutal. And Afton from Kat, Connecticut. Right, so, yeah, Afton and I started about the same time, and I think we both lived in Manhattan at the time. And Kat, I met because I had gone to NYU as well. Right. And uh, when she wanted to do her student film, I had bought my rig maybe six months earlier, a year earlier. And I was just, you know, looking for anybody that would let me shoot. Or Sure. So. Cool. I put a little flyer up and Kat let me come and do some nice winners in the diners. Oh, really? On Long Island, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. How, how were you happy with your work? Yeah, I had been shooting 16 for a while, so it was fun. To- oh, so you were the DP, too. I was. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, 
gosh, that's hard to do Steadicam and DP. I did that once or twice on short films. Yeah. For people. It's hard. I've done some features that way too, like indie. Have features. you really? Oof. Yeah, it was pretty pretty difficult. I don't do it anymore. It's bad enough to operate, but to have to do Steadicam too. Although, uh, excuse me, I used to be really um, anal about assistance touching my gear, and there was a reason one of them. A, one of them dropped a camera off my sled trying to put my... Trying to balance it. They didn't lock it down. Right. Yeah. And um, I think we've all had uh, that time when you go and you pick up the sled and the 435 falls off the back and you can, I've, I've caught, you oh. know, like, gone like this with, oh. as I go to tilt balance it. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I learned, like, before I do any of that, I, like, yeah. make sure everything's on. Um, but no, so it would be a lot easier if you had your assistants that know your gear and know how you like it and then they could just set keep it set up for you but trying to do it yourself oof yeah back <laughs> then lot. i was definitely had you know whoever was willing to work for the lower wage of the, of the independent world yeah you know now uh, doing a camera it's not really possible for me to keep my gear in my hands all the time i don't think i've set up my rig on a other than a few commercials per year right in i don't know 10 years yeah it's it's so nice too you know mm-hmm. and also they get to learn about the gear if they want to do it at some right. point you know so it's kind of a win-win but um oh, yeah i mean you just don't have time either you do right. not have time no <clears throat> but right. i'm already you know doing a technocrane shot and the next thing is gonna be a steadicam so oh yeah and it's right on to the next i mean mm-hmm. some shows aren't but most of them are these days they seem to be yeah yeah yeah, you jump off the dolly, they hand you the vest, and up you go. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um, so, uh, when did you move move to Long Beach? You got, I mean, sorry, <laughs> to Long Island. So <laughs> I was at Long Beach. I moved to Manhattan when I was nineteen to go to film school at NYU, and then. Uh, Are you from Long Island originally? No, I'm from Woodstock, New York. Mother, okay, I could t- I could hear a New York thing in there. I didn't yeah. know what it was. Okay, yeah. So went to school there, and then. And then just straight out to the business after NYU. Yeah, I guess um, I write. I started working immediately as a grip and electric. Oh, okay. Um, in the non-union world, which was, you know, thriving in New York at the time, I was doing commercials and music videos. And what year was this? This was so I went to NYU in '94, and I met a gaffer on a student film within like maybe a month or two. Okay. And uh, I spent the rest of the time at NYU trying to go to enough classes that I could graduate because you, you were know, working we all the time off and I was working as much as I could stand and still complete enough of my work and you managed to do it I did yeah good for you yeah it was it was tough I had some professors that were you know wanted to fail me just on absentee things and I'd have to like sit down with them and be like look you know I'm here the whole point was me to work in the to business, work in the business. And, and I'm like, working in the, right I can't pass up these opportunities that just fall in my lap right so that worked um, and then after that, a few times of being difficult, I made sure that the professor that I was going to take a class with would, I'd meet with him first and tell him, you know, I was already working and is that going to be But they understood the deal. They did. Yeah, that's cool. That's good. I mean, their whole damn point is to get you in the business, you know? Right. <laughs> you make these short films and stuff. It's like, I'm making real films. Like, <laughs> exactly. You know what I mean? Like, right. You know, it was like, I got to work with Harris Savides last week. Like, you know, like that's... Can't re- can't replace that, right? When did would you work with him on? We did. Uh, he did Volvo commercials. Ah, so you know, whenever 
you know, before he would only do union work, he was doing some non-union commercials. And we were, I was part of that crew. Cool. Yeah. He was great. He was wonderful. I mean, I didn't know the guy personally. I just, his work is great. His work is outstanding. I heard a story about him years ago. Um, I won't go into all the details, but essentially somebody was telling me that uh, he had these long-term clients. Mm-hmm that always called him for all these jobs, all these jobs. And um, and his rate had gone up over the years, whatever. And he decided he didn't want to do this job. It was like 20 shoot days. It was like really long or something. And wow. he decided he just didn't want to do it. I, I don't know why. Maybe Who knows? And the agent's like, well, look, I mean, you're going to say no to them. They, you know, you've made a lot of money working for these people. And he's like, yeah, what can we do? You know, he said, well, we could just crank your rate up so high that they can't say yes he's like okay so they cranked his rate i don't like really high um and they said yes <laughs> so yeah. he had to go do the job <laughs> yeah that was my understanding is that harris was making something in the range of like 40 or fifty thousand dollars a day whoa on commercials <laughs> that's not the number i heard but um, i don't know that that's true it was just a number that i heard but yeah that's a crazy that's a crazy number yeah, I mean, most directors aren't making ten or fifteen, even. Right. I I don't think. I mean, I, 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 I don't know no all idea. the details. But I mean, this was definitely a lot back of money. When commercials, there was a lot of money in commercials. That's true. There's a lot less money now. There is. That's true. Um, did you ever see Jerry the movie? He shot. Yeah. It's the one I always think about with him because it's so simple. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not his. I'm sure it's not his best. Like, I don't know what to call it extravagant work or whatever mm-hmm. but it's it's just so perfect for the movie anyway did you ever see illuminata no so that's john deturo's uh i think his directorial debut oh really but um i saw that in the theater and just his ability to manipulate emulsion was incredible i just it would take place on like in a theater proscenium some of the, some of it and like the way it would just fall off was incredible i've never seen anything else um on film being projected on film that looks like that well i know for certain movies he used to bake it he used to bake the film oh yeah you you never heard this i don't I've know heard what all the... sorts of things okay <laughs> i know that he also did he would shoot like infrared and film together like on top of each other that was how they did that um what is it guinness commercials or they were like guinness commercial where you saw the like 20 years ago you'd see like the head frothing up and that's how we got such deep rich really textures in there so literally they would load he'd have to have it all spooled and to be two cameras on top of each other oh so it wasn't together no not not literally got it got it got it got it so and then they would do a blend later kind of thing i guess yeah in in post oh i wasn't on set for any of that stuff i thought you meant two like two pieces of film going through the gate at the same time i'm like i don't that would take that'd be impossible incredible mathematics and an incredible gate to keep the pressure on i would imagine right and to just even just to keep the sprock or the 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 notches lined up yeah would be anyway he wasn't doing that so no <laughs> but i was blown away for a second i still am that's really cool though like just shooting infrared to do that that's neat anyway i i wish it's too bad he passed away it is um i wish uh i wish he was around to have on here but it's not about him it's about you Aaron. <laughs> true <laughs> yeah so um so yeah i saw that you were a gaffer for a while so obviously you you moved up and 
I or did. I saw some gaffer credits anyway. Right. So I was doing some independent films and doing commercials and music videos for um, a gaffer who is Korean and he went back to Korea to start DPing. Uh, so after, I don't know, maybe six years of doing like indie films and we he stuck me. I was then already gaffing and we we're, you know, he's trading off jobs and he would finish one and I would prep another. Right. So on and so forth. And he uh, put me on a kid's television show for Disney because he got offered this job. It was a puppet show for um, Winnie the Pooh. Oh, okay. It was called The Book of Pooh. And <laughs> he took off, and I ended up in children's TV for a while. For I ended up doing three seasons of The Book of Pooh, ended up as the DP of it. Got nominated for an Emmy when I was 25 doing Really? That. Yep. Cool. Uh, and unfortunately, it ended at 9-11. Oh. We wrapped about a week before that happened. Um, and uh, my career needed a restart, so I started looking at a Steadicam, which I had done at NYU on a few projects. And I had done, I had a client from Germany, and uh, I would gaff and shoot their second camera. Uh-huh. And they needed someone to do Steadicam on a job we were in. In Miami and in, in Stiltsville, have you ever heard of that? It's a no. It's an old fisherman village that they uh, built off in the ocean, so they didn't have to pay taxes. Really? Yeah, and it was abandoned at this point. We did a pretty cool music video out there. Wow, I've never heard of that. That's funny. Yeah. Huh? Is it on like a little island, or they? No, it's like on a sandbar. You know, whatever, just enough, just far enough out, and all, and all the buildings are They're on just, stilts. Everything floats. No, they're they oh, put they're pylons stilts. into the ground oh. like docks. Right, 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 right. Wow, must yeah. have been rough when the seas got heavy. Yeah, luckily our, the days that we were there was just crazy hot. It was like middle of summer. It was like 104 degrees every day of the shoot for the seven or eight days we were down there. Wow, that's that's uh that's like record heat wave too because it, it in Florida it doesn't really get over a hundred that much. But the humidity just wrecks oh, it was you. Awful. People are like, "Oh, it's only ninety-five. You know, if they <laughs> if they came from LA, they're like, "Oh, it was a hundred and two. It's yeah. only ninety-five. And then they get there and they're like, "Oh my God, it's twice as hot here." It was so hot that one of the nights I spent in my rental car because the AC in the hotel couldn't handle it. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> At night. Yeah. Yeah, that humidity, man. It just it and it and it drains you. Oh, it was pretty crazy. Yeah. Oh. Wow, that's that's uh that's cool. Well, you were talking about children's shows. I saw you done some Sesame Street and yeah. So my wife works for Sesame Street. And oh, all, she does now. Yeah. Oh, cool. And she has. She started working for them right out of college. She went to SVA and she um. What's SVA? Sorry. Uh, School of Visual Arts. It's also in Manhattan. Got it. Okay. That's where Harris went to school. Oh, okay. And uh, so she started there, and she left and came to the Book of Pooh, which is where we met. And 9-11 happened, and she got a show that was coming out here. So we lived out here for a couple of years. Oh, really? Doing Crank Anchors. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, those puppet puppets, so, yeah, yeah I guess. A lot of fun. That's funny. I didn't realize that was here. It started in New York for a year, and then when Jimmy Kimmel got his show out here, ah. we all came out. Cool. And they brought you out. They weren't going to originally bring me out. I knew one of the directors, and um, luckily for me, I had experience shooting puppets, and they didn't, so they had gone uh. through a few people. And uh, it's not rocket science, but it's definitely different than operating 
with people because you have headroom doesn't matter. Right. Bottom of the puppet matters. Right. So they had a lot of problems with guys shooting puppeteers. Right. So uh, after a couple months, I got a phone call. Though. They just got fed up with having to try to teach people. and Right, right, right. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Where, where did you live when you were out here? Uh, in Hollywood. We shot at, um, uh, where is it, over in Santa Monica. Uh, you shot in Santa Monica? At the, um, off of Santa Monica Boulevard. Oh, oh. Um, so I was on, where was I living? We were living. It's been too long, I guess. It's been too long. It's been <laughs> a long time. Well, I, I think Raleigh. I lived on the Long Prey. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, Raleigh Studios is off of Santa Monica, I think. Right. Um, what else? There's it's, so many little ones. You, right. You it know, it's hard to know. Relatively big one. Everything was closed. Cat. You know, everything. And they had everything on TVs, and they would constantly like block ours out because we had, you know, puppet penises and boobs running around. Why? What do you mean? What they had tours each, or something? No. In each studio, you could watch what was going on in the other studio. On monitors somehow weird yeah oh okay that seems that's that that's very odd yeah so huh okay um yeah right on well uh yeah that that was um it was a funny show though i watched i remember watching it we had a blast we had so much fun probably too much fun yeah i bet the um or no i think i heard to correct me if i'm wrong because they were all it's essentially crank calls Right, so they would set up. But the, you can't record somebody without their permission in most states. But I right. heard that in Nevada you can. Right at the time, I think it was New York and Nevada. Okay. So they would, before we would shoot, they would go and put, you know, fifteen comedians up in a hotel and set up all you know this kind of stuff to record audio, and then have producers in your ear, and they would make these prank phone calls and see if they could make it. And then when they drove someone completely crazy and screaming and cursing and hang up, they'd call back and be like, hey. We are doing know, a TV show. a TV <laughs> show. And, you know, and, the, and some people would hang up and right. try to file lawsuits. And other people would uh, go, yeah, all right, that'd be great. That's yeah. funny. Yeah. And would they pay them? No, I think they were just giving them, like, T-shirts and thank yous. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's like a free show. It was, yeah. The whole thing was content. Yeah. I mean, I guess smart of the producers, but um, that's funny. Yeah. Well, because you can just call the whole phone book. Right. They would just go Somebody down. will say yes. Yeah. They said it would take, you know, days and days and days because they would just go down the list and down the list and, you know, half the people would go, this is, you're putting me on, right? And would figure it out and uh, that would be over and, you know, because they were looking else. for pretty specific responses, you know, like they were... Sure. Something to totally lose. They're trying to drive somebody into a certain place, right? There's a skill to that, I think. Yeah. (laughs) I don't think I have it. (laughs) I hope I, I kind of hope I don't. (laughs) Because they were trying to make them, they were trying to really piss people off. Right. But it was funny. And be vulgar, but not too vulgar, you know, because they had to ramp it up. You know, you couldn't, you had to have someone that wasn't quite figuring out how vulgar they were being. You know, they had one that would call about, like caulk that you would put around a door jam, yeah, yeah, and different colored caulks and how we love them. Uh, yeah. You have to have someone on the other line that didn't realize, right? What you were actually saying. <laughs> so it's so 
I don't know what the right word, childish? <laughs> to, but, of, yes. But yeah, very absolutely. funny. A very sophomoric, absolutely. Yes, yeah. But, you know, Jimmy Kimmel. And he has great ideas. Like, I watch his show once in a while and, like, just stupid stuff like how he, um, they'll unnecessary, um, uh, when they bleep people, unnecessary right. yeah, censorship. It's yeah, yeah. great. And they do it with puppets. Like, they'll do it with the Muppet Show, and they'll do it with all kinds of people. It's really funny. (laughs) And you can't imagine another word in there besides the Uh, one you think you're hearing. That they want you to hear, yeah. Right. It's really well done, yeah. It's very well done. And, yeah. Anyway, he's just been... I think he's a genius with, like, sophomoric humor. Oh, yeah. He's great. But if it's funny, it's funny, you know? Yeah. (laughs) And it was all his brothers that ran it, you know? It was? was? Yeah. Uh... He's one of those guys. He's like Adam Sandler. He's like super family. Yeah. Um, if you want to work for him, you probably can if you're related, right? Kind of thing. I would think so. And then, you know, Sandler also, at least at the beginning, I believe most of those guys were guys that he had gone to NYU with and had, uh, you know, like like they were just old friends. You know, like friends from high school, friends from college. and Right. Family, yeah. It's funny. I've always heard good things about Adam Sandler. Um, yeah, I've never met him, though. I've never worked with him or anything, but um, I have a bunch of friends who have. Mm-hmm. Some used to do all those movies he did. Um, but uh, I always heard, like, one person said to me, you know, um, everybody's cool, but you have to be careful what you say. Like, if you get in the van and it's, like, just you and the assistant, you can't be like, I can't believe fucking so-and-so did whatever. <laughs> Because the driver might be Adam's best friend from 30 years ago. Like, right. you never know who who's yeah, around. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I, and not to say that they were talking shit, but, like, the idea of, like, you know, be cool because everybody's, everybody's a team here. Absolutely, kind of. yeah. <laughs> or whatever. I mean, there are ears everywhere. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what's that? Um, and... Kimmel, I've never met. I've been my friend's been on a show a couple times, so I've been the backstage area. Yeah, how was he to work with? Because he seems like a really great guy. Uh, you know, I only met him maybe once or twice because it was really his brothers. But they're, oh, okay. they're all very cool, and you know, they were funny. You know, like we spent a lot of time, you know, laughing. They were laughing about what it was, and you know, they came up with stuff on the spot, and they were doing right. both shows simultaneously. So wow, you know. Well, how did that work actually? Now, with the so they just played the audio and then the puppets would right. So puppetry works with playback, like a music video, which makes sense. I've just never done yeah. it. I mean, yeah. So for that show, they would for Crank Anchors, they would take you know hours of phone call and condense it. You know, take everything out of context and put sure. it back in. They might They'd... call someone like five times and get different parts you know involved before they revealed that it was a show oh wow so they just keep calling him and fucking with him right you know they might have gotten like a good idea but needed to flush it out and they would you know maybe wait a day and call him back and oh really yeah god that's so labor intensive <laughs> yeah it sounded crazy about how how it went down you know because there were like three you know they said there was like four or five producers writing producers in their heads uh, of the Comedians coming up with stuff right up yeah, in the moment, like playing in the moment to like bounce things off them. So they were the comedians were, you know, listening and putting it forth. Right, that's got to be. It had to be so hard. I can't imagine having you know to be like on comms with, 
you know, a director, an AD, and a GP all telling you something at the all same time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's um, yeah, that's got to be tough. Anyway, uh, why'd that show not continue? Uh, Too hard to do. <laughs> I think Comedy Central didn't want to bring it back, and then MTV did bring it back, and uh, at the time I couldn't come back for that. They wanted me to bump up to DP that show because I had done a lot of special effects green screen work, and they were leaving the the expense of the show is probably why I had to go. Like Having all the puppets and the stages we have, on that stage we had probably... 20 sows set up at any time so you could have um, each different character had their own bedroom or wherever you ever saw their set right so uh-huh. it was this raised set and we had one puppet that vomited so like his set was raised but then it was like all up with plastic to and it had to be cleaned up and right. so I think, I think it's, it must have been quite expensive to hmm. keep a show like that going so they were going MTV bought it and well, were, and Comedy Central and MTV are notoriously cheap, so. Right. <laughs> so they were going to go green screen. They wanted me to re- come back because I was, while I was here, I was the camera, one of the camera operators for the show. Uh-huh. Um, we shot five days a week. Two days a week was one operator. I did two days a week, and then I was a director and DP of the green screen day of Fridays. Oh, okay. Which is a strange thing to do, but. Yeah, on, on a skeleton crew because it was all just elements and right. stuff that you would see the interstitial stuff that went between scenes okay gotcha five days a week to do that show how many how long did that go do you remember months so we shot one season and then they went back to back to another season I think that one was like nine months and then we went I went back to New York with my wife for so two seasons was nine months mm-hmm that's still a lot. Yeah. How many episodes? Like 20 or something? I don't remember how many episodes oh, I did. okay. Must um, have been a lot, I'm guessing. Yeah, I guess. Um, and then we went back, and my wife stayed and went back to work for um, the people that we did the Book of Pooh for, and I came back and did another season here, and then they put it to rest until MTV bought it. Ah, uh, gotcha. And then MTV killed it eventually. I think they did one season. Right. Um, I'm not really sure. I don't remember. Since I wasn't involved, I... Yeah, I get it. I don't care that much anyway. I don't know why we're talking about <laughs> the Crank Anchor so much. Right. right. <laughs> it was so fun- anyway... It was funny, though, but it's a different thing. It's so different than what we normally do. And you'd done it already on Sesame Street. Right. Right? And So, no, I hadn't actually done it on Sesame oh, Street. Oh, this is pre-Sesame Street. Yeah. Oh, okay. I had done the Book of Pooh. Uh, right. Sorry, yeah. And then... What were they doing? I was out here. Oh, when I came back for the third season, Sesame Street comes out here to do their like star pieces where they, you know, have the different stars come and do a piece. Sure, right. And my wife had come back with that, and I met with all the producers to have dinner one night, and they're like, "Why don't you do our show?" I said, "I don't. I don't know. You never asked." So, and that's how I ended up doing Sesame Street for seven seasons. um, Seven. While I bought. I had the Steadicam at the time, so I bought. I was out here on Crankangers. I bought a Steadicam while I lived here. We decided we were going to go back to New York, um, and I was Sesame Street was great. They let me fill in my days um, around what I could book at doing Steadicam. Wow! Yeah, that's that's cool. It was. There's something to it because a lot of people. Um, 
just PBS shows in general, like I look at that Mr. Rogers thing and like mm-hmm. there were people that were there for 40 years and you know what I mean? Or whatever the number is. And I think the same is true. At Sesame the Street. A camera operator on Sesame Street has been there since the day, first day. This is the 50th season. How old is he? 80? He might be close to 80, yeah, at this point. Wow. Wow, that's crazy. What a gig, you know? Frankie Biondo, a great guy. When I needed to learn how to do uh, ped cameras, you know, my wife had already worked there, and she said, oh, Frankie will teach you. And I went in, and Frankie, you know, taught me for a day, and then another gentleman who uh, just passed away, John Michael John, uh, also. Oh, the guy that, sorry, go on. Uh, were like my two mentors of PED, and then they shipped me out to do crank anchors after that. So. Gotcha. Okay, John Michael John. Mm-hmm. Did, did you know about the Colbert thing about him? I did. Okay, yeah, he was All right. the, he was the main camera on that show for a long time. Yeah, yeah. he was a sweet, sweet man. I was very lucky. Uh, because being a member of the NEB, I had a list of operators that I had to call and say, you know, this is what's going on. And, you know, we have a meeting coming up and we love you to come. And John made it onto my list. So I hadn't seen him or spoken to him in many years because I haven't done multi-camera in probably 12 or 13 years. Okay. Um, and we had a nice long talk about you know, life and, you know, he wasn't going to stop working because he was like, I'll just pass away if I stop working. Really? And, uh, did he get sick or? Yeah, he had cancer and Ugh. he had mentioned that he was not well, but it was getting better. So I was so very, you know, shocked and surprised when I mm. found out that he, he didn't beat it cause he seemed like he was on the mend. Right. I, you know, I'm not How sure old he, was he? Do you know? He probably was in his 80s or close to 80s. Really? Yeah. These guys are like the original, like, camera people. Right. You know, they um, all started in news and... Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah. Well, I I was just super impressed with Colbert because he he did, like, a tribute to him. Yeah. And he deserves it. You know, John was a wonderful guy. I mean, that just doesn't happen, you know? It just doesn't. So... He must have been like a fantastic guy. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, good on Colbert for doing it too. I'm sure his family, if he had family or whatever, they must have loved that. But yeah. I mean, I loved it, and I didn't know the guy, you know. Yeah. And you knew him, you, yeah. you know. Anyway, it was just great. Yeah. Um, the the behind the scenes work is respected once in a while. <laughs> Absolutely. I think a lot actually, but publicly respected yeah. once in a while. I mean, I feel like I've been very lucky with the people that I've been able to work with i feel like most of the time yeah that everyone has been you know very thankful to me and helpful you know yeah so that's good yeah that's good um so after your 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 multi-camera and and puppet extravaganza (laughs) right so once you so when you stopped doing multi-camera why was that would you move on to uh steadicam was basically full-time you know, right, but guy. was there a particular show that, or you were just day playing a lot? I or? was doing a lot of commercials and music videos still, and uh, let's see. the The big break that I got was Alec Jarnigan called me, and I uh, oh, sorry. So before Alec, the next thing that happened was Sesame Workshop did a live um, action show. They brought back Electric Company. 
Oh, right. Okay. So I went over there to do a camera study cam op and ended up being a couple episodes as well. Cool. Um, and that. Um, and that was a single camera kind of show, right? It was. We had a second camera, but it was it was yeah. single camera style. So we finished. We did three seasons of that, and unfortunately, um, the funding just ran out in a, you know a downturn in the economy because mm. it was very very well received and it still plays on HBO. Huh. Um, which was great. You know, won another Emmy for that. And uh, for shooting or yeah, it was for DP and Steadicam. Like they because it's single camera and daytime, you get you can you guys together can so combine like stuff right DP and just put me on with him as the uh right other dp because i shot a lot of it as well right on yeah. ah, cool that's nice yeah did you did you pay for the statue or anything or can you do that you probably can't do that huh uh i have the statues yeah oh we have yeah. lots of statues in the house my wife wins an emmy <sighs> pretty often <laughs> for, sesame street. Yeah, for sesame street what does she do on sesame street she's a puppet builder and the head wrangler Ah. For Sesame Street, so or cool. on and off. Now that we have kids, she's not always the head regular. She, you know, steps back and okay does a little bit here and there. Yeah, lighten her workload a little bit. Yeah, she'll still do the season, but she, you know, it runs year round. They do different um, events and commercials and et cetera, et cetera. But right. So now she usually just does the season and maybe a, one or two events. Gotcha. Like right now, she's doing they're doing Big Bird across the uh, America for the 50th anniversary. So she's traveling with that a couple, you know, like a week at a time. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. So they're taking Big Bird to all these different cities. Yeah. And, oh, that's fun. I I can't remember the last time I saw Sesame Street. Actually, it was probably on Jimmy Kimmel when he was doing the <laughs> unnecessary censorship. Probably. <laughs> um, Okay, so, so so you did Electric Company, and then you and then it was just on from there, right? The so segment. after Electric Company, uh, I was looking around for work, and you know, I was kind of stuck in this children's television world, even though I, you know, had been successful. Um, sure. And Alec Jarnigan gave me a call and was like, "Why aren't you doing these shows with us at night?" And I'm like, "I don't know, man. I don't have any on my reel to get me there." Right. And I said, "Well." I have a proposition for you. I'm going to give you the first tandem day on person of interest. And, uh, it's going to, it's going to be t difficult. You're going to have the showrunner of the show directing. It's just going to be you off on a splinter unit. And if you, you know, sink or swim and, you know, right. So I, you know, got myself ready and went out there and did the best I could. And, uh, turned out to be a lot of work. I did a lot of person of interest and that's where I met Ron. And Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, Ron ended up doing that show for like four seasons, I think, maybe. Was yeah, so I, I came on the first season um, with Alec, and then Alec left, and I did a few episodes waiting for Ron to become available. Oh, okay. Um, and then, but they had, I mean, there was so much work that I was there for like four days a week anyway, doing tandems or third camera. and yeah. Sometimes that's sometimes it's kind of nice because you get like a three day weekend and you know you still you're still making good money. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's know, cool. And that just kind of springboarded to all the other shows, you know, popping in and filling in the days. Yeah, 
So you've you've been around as far as all the shows in New York. Yeah, and then I have a feeling you don't update your IMDb. No, because because it's it's pretty sparse. Yeah, I don't ever go on there. Yeah, so, um, we've had these discussions before about that. It's there, your resume now, so. Well, there's also some that won't let you do it, like Girls. I've tried to add episodes of Girls on there, and it's just like it doesn't ever get approved or something. I don't know. Really? Yeah. So I did the first season of Girls, and they changed DPs. Um, he brought in his guy, and midway through the third season, he had to leave. And they said, well, we had this guy we really liked, and he was cool <laughs> enough to bring me back in. So I finished the third and fourth season. Oh, okay. And that's... Uh, yeah, I, I noticed that you'd done Girls. That was an interesting show. It was kind of fun. It was great. It had great moments. It did. Well, as far as the show that you watch, you know, I, different perspective than you, obviously. Mm -hmm. But it was fun to work on, though. I had a blast. My first episode there was called The Craxident, which is the first season where one of the girls uh, smokes weed, but it's laced with crack. <laughs> it's hysterical. If anybody hasn't seen The Craxident, it's one of the funniest things put on. TV. I've probably seen it. I've I saw a lot of that show, uh, um, and and Allison Williams in that show. You know this big breakout. I'm like, who is this girl? Yeah. She's great. You know, she's so like, she's like the straight man and everything. You know, she's good. Yeah. But but then to find out she's Brian Williams' daughter, I'm like, oh geez, you know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> she's great. And Zoe Shamanman was great. You know. They're yes. Like, yes. Uh, the whole yeah, cast. A lot of Adam, them... Adam Driver, you know. Yes. That was his breakout role. He became a star on that. Yeah. And he's so good in it. He's amazing. Um, it's funny, though. All the girls... Not all the girls. I think most of the girls have a famous parent. Yeah. Right? Even even Lena Dunham... Right. Her mother is a... Famous mm -hmm. artist, right? Yeah. Yep. And then Professor Brian Williams Yale. and David Mamet. And then the other girl had somebody... Uh, her... I think her stepfather is like the lead singer of Bad Company or something. Like right, that. <laughs> it was something. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, did they just go around? Like, it was the weirdest <laughs> thing, but they were good. So yeah. you credit to them, they were good in it. It's they not like awesome. somebody got the job through some kind of weird nepotism and then sucked. So yeah, no, I don't think it had. I think it just was. It just random. happened that way. Yeah, I think they just all got together and hit it off and had the <laughs> great charisma for. Yeah the characters who else was in that that played their friend i saw him he's got a he's got a tv show coming out uh the gay hispanic gay best friend or something oh, what's his name um he always andrew, cracked andrew, me up um andrew he was so funny and the best part of him is or was being on set was like you know he would crack us up with ad libs that I'm not sure ever made the show but like it was hard to keep the camera from shaking you know because they were out there right I think uh, he was so funny I think um he has a show called Alternativo coming out oh really I think but it might be it, I think it's the guy okay but anyway yeah very very funny guy but I've seen him in other stuff I, I always liked him yeah he's great and anyway just great casting for that show uh, was that a lot of Steadicam or? Yeah, when we were, there was a good amount of Steadicam. They like to do walk and talks to move the show along. So a lot of Steadicam on uneven ground, like through like Brooklyn right. sidewalks. And yeah, that was funny. When I first started, because, you know, like I didn't have many credits uh, that they were aware of the first time they brought me in. You know, there was like a hundred feet of dolly track off to the left. And I was like, and they're like, yeah, we'll do that second. I was like, okay. So do this walk and talk. And 
it was a, it was a just in case, right? It was all just in case. And like, <laughs> by like the third or fourth day that I was there, I'm like, how long are you guys going to keep putting that up there? Because so far we haven't used any of them. And they're like, well, we'll see. <laughs> right. But maybe we'll stop. They eventually stopped. But yeah, yeah, yeah. That's funny. That's that's cool. Yeah. But and and um, uh, are you a gyro guy? Because I know Ron used gyros a lot when he was in New York. Uh, you know, I I want to be, but sound like there's so much sound like i was able to use them on girls because we would do a lot of uh you know electric car stuff uh-huh. where, where we could get away with you know either being far enough away or right there wasn't much dialogue because it was racing around right do you do that thing where you unplug them sometimes and let them wind down where the sound is cool with it uh, I don't know. I, mean, I, I gotta find better sound people or more adjust, more welcoming sound people because they're. I have very few people. You know, basically the only time they that freak I out, get huh? to use it is where I'm like, look, there's no other way to do this shot. Right. You know, like we're just all gonna have to agree that we're gonna ADR this if it's not good enough. And they're like, all right. But I rarely ever pull that. You know, so yeah, I that's a card you can't pull sit, very often. Mostly sit in the case. Yeah. Okay. I do have a Trinity now, but I I don't like to use it just for stabilization. Mm. I use it only if it's a Trinity shot. What kind of uh, so it um, so do you use that sled and then? So when I first started, it's like I the had, Artemis sled. Is that what yeah, it's called? Yeah, I do. Now I have that because I divested from Pro after twelve or thirteen years, only just because it seemed silly to have non-compatible parts. Like I love my pros. I two pro twos that i so when i first got the trinity i got rid of my one of my pros and i would uh like on mr robot i'd have both sleds built with a camera Uh and you know if the shot needed trinity it was a trinity and if it was standard steady cam i just how often didn't did it need trinity a lot really yeah well that shows different too yeah sam really likes robotic movement um and very you know, obviously very specific framing. Uh-huh. Um, but he preferred a Trinity over a, tra- a traditional Steadicam move. He doesn't really like to feel the float. Mm. Um, he would definitely say, I hate Steadicam on a regular basis. Really? Yeah. But you used it a lot. We did. Yeah. Uh, it was funny. They'd be like, uh, you know, selective memory. There'd be, they'd, I'd read, you know, interviews. Or like, we only did one shot last season on Steadicam. Like... That's not true. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. You know, but they would only remember like these grand shots that we did. Like we basically finished. that you couldn't lie. Everybody knew it was Steadicam. So, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, we would do. Uh, he finished every season with a, a what he called a coda shot, which was like a three minute to five minute oneer, and we'd start on top of a camera car with me with steps built off it, and we'd come into a place looking like a crane, and then we'd step off and off the shot would go it's funny i wondered i've i noticed i didn't know you did it every season but um i noticed it in the last season because i was a big fan of that well i still am big fan of that show yeah me too and he's walking down the street right at the end and that last one it's uh the sister it starts we're in the middle of the street yes yeah yeah anyway i'd have to watch it again it's been a while but it's been a couple years now yeah, they took a season off because they did another show out here. Homecoming, right? Homecoming. Yeah. Um, and I couldn't go back to do this season because I was on Power to finish my sixth season of Power. So they've already shot... They're in the middle of the last season. 
Who's doing that? Jeff, uh, I think Jeff Molstock, I believe, is the oh okay is the A operator now. Cool. And you guys did essentially a, a a stitched oneer for a whole show. We did, yes, yeah, episode five of season three. Yeah, which was crazy. It was crazy. Like the first, like, and in, and we did that with the Trinity like the day after I got it. Oh my god! It was yeah. Like I unpacked it, used it at my house, like set it up, ran around slightly with it, and then came in like cold to do. Wow! This oneer that you know, and everything is per- has to be you know perfect. Even like the fr- it, it got simplified afterwards, but like you know, when we first started on the first day, we wanted um, to go as far as we could without having to make a cut. Right. Um, so the first concept was a five-minute oneer that started coming off an elevator, going down a hallway, coming through an entire space, sitting down Rami, coming around behind him, settling in a big wide shot, revealing uh, another actor whose name is Rami. He has a new show called Rami as well. Oh, really? Yeah, he's a comedian. Um, and they have an interaction where I slowly push back in, come 180 around him and then do a, a whip pan where he like cuz you know he goes into his mind so yeah, like, they're yeah. having a conversation and then he's like yesterday what was i doing yesterday and i have to whip pan over to a guy and he's like oh yeah and he brings me back to rami and i continue around to the front pull back out and you know like he had to put down a bag and pick up this and it was you know like if he came down and put his phone here the shot was ruined it had to be here if the bag was uh, if the bag fell over, he couldn't pick it up in the proper speed and time to stand back up and continue the shot because he would eventually came all the way back around and he stood back up and I took him right out of the space. Jeez. So that was a very difficult shot. I think we did 27 takes before lunch. <laughs> uh, on the last one, I was like on the floor because <laughs> it was pretty, uh, pretty intense. And it was, you know, and most of the takes were done over because we needed. You know, like the phone because the back here, fell over, or like you know, right. one the, or one of the actors goes, "Fuck, I'm really sorry." You know, <laughs> you know, like, right. which was fine. Like they were four minutes in, they lost the line. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, and but then we learned a lot from that. We and then we came back from lunch. We did three takes and we we're done uh, and, and got it. And it was great. But okay. Um, but then the rest of the episode. <laughs> So that's five minutes, and right. now you owe. I mean, how long was that episode? Fifty minutes. It was a forty-five minute episode 45. that was okay. aired as a single take. Right. Hewitt Packard bought a fifteen-minute commercial at the end. Right. So yeah, and um, you know, we mixed Crane and Handheld and Steadicam and Trinity. Right. In and out throughout the whole thing. You would like go through a door, and there'd be a stitch cut there, or or whatever or around I mean, someone's shoulder. Right. You know, it was lucky that I did have so much um special effects background because we could you know we could i could help figure out where a good stitch could go right and how to make that happen yeah right although i mean it's come so far now like they could probably do almost anything if you have enough money but (laughs) right yeah it helps to make them uh to help them yeah um no i i found it Fascinating, and the cool part was I knew it was I knew I had read about it mm-hmm. that it was coming up, and I was like, "Oh, the gimmick!" Although I love the show so much, I wasn't 
the idea of that yeah. wasn't that exciting to me. Yeah. And then I saw it and I was like, it's not distracting at all. It's a matter of fact, halfway through, I forgot. It's amazing, right? I, yes. I felt the same way. Where, it, right. You know, I was excited just to be able to do it. You of know, course. That was the greatest thing There's about There's a difference between getting show. to do it and watching right. it. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like every day Sam would come in and he wanted to do something that was more difficult and more intense than we did the day before. Right. So every day was a new adventure. And, you know, I, there was not the, the key grip, you know, really saved us because he was just, you know, top notch guy that really could bring everything together and if sam called him up and said this is what i want to do you know like all the stuff was there and built the stairs on the cars and right you know platforms coming and going and you know cool so that was the longest shot of that of that episode or it was definitely the most intricate because there was also like there was a lot of lock-offs you know, coming right. into a lock off and then slowly pushing in and then a whip pan and then coming back and, right. you know, looking into a bag and looking to a computer. Right. Um, and then once we, you know, got the idea of it, we realized we didn't have to go and do five minutes at a time. You know, there were times that it made sense. You could have cut a bunch of times in that. Yeah. Right. It, right. 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 Like, you know, we could have cut in that whip pan anytime we wanted to. Of course. Like, right. Yeah. yeah, and then and then it makes it easier for you and easier for everybody, right? Yeah. yeah, I'm sure they realize too. Like with the actors, I'm sure some actors. I don't know if you had this issue or not. Sometimes, like the pressure of doing this long thing, and like they know they're towards the end. <laughs> you know, just like us, it's like, oh, right. don't screw this part up, don't screw this part up, don't screw that. You know what I mean? It's almost like Tourette's. Yeah, I mean, I think they. Have- we all have that natural tendency yeah. to be like, Oh God, we're almost there. We're almost there. But I mean, they were great. You know, they, you know, they, if Rami did an interview and he said that, you know, basically there were times where he would look at me and be like, Oh God, he's fatigued. I need to give him it. And would like, go just make up a question to talk to someone about really. And give me two more minutes. He said this in an interview. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Rami is, I, I loved those guys were all great. They're all such professionals that everybody wanted everything to be you know perfect yeah and uh that's that's awesome i've talked about actors doing that for me before and uh or 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 stopping and being like i need a water like Mm -hmm. demanding water and then (laughs) handing it to me (laughs) which is cool um yeah that's nice though that's nice to know um because you know what we do it all the time with actors at least not all the time, but I do the same thing sometimes with actors. Like, if not the exact same thing, but like just trying to help them out a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Giving them doing something a little out of the ordinary to help them. Right. Well, you guys were talking about, you know, someone who wouldn't adjust to a mark the other you know, right. the last episode. You know, and like, I would never. You know, I'm constantly adjusting to the marks, and if I feel like someone's like worried about it, I'm like, "Don't worry, I'm I want to make the shot work." No right. Where you go? Right. You know, like, don't worry about me. You know, like, I'll I'll be here, and the shot's gonna work. You you do the acting part, and I'll make sure I capture it. Yeah, but do you find there's a difference between people that deserve that and people who are just lazy? <laughs> you know what uh, I mean? Because a guy like Rami Malek, he like, he's this character. He obviously put so much work into it. He deserves to be able to go where his character goes, kind of thing. Right. But there's other people who act all entitled, you know, and they haven't they haven't done the work 
needed to get that respect. Not that I wouldn't still do it. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. you get my point, right? I do. I mean, yeah. and certainly that's um, very true. There are plenty of actors that I guess wouldn't deserve it, but I always look at it like it's most important that I don't do this shot twenty five times. <laughs> you know, so. I, I totally agree with you on that. I'm, I'm not saying I would ever not do it. Right, and if I can win over someone who is particularly difficult or doesn't deserve it, and get them to. Um, you know, be more care helpful about in the where future. the camera is okay. and like where they feel like we're all I'm on their side. Yeah, it, I've always tried to be on everybody's. No, side. that's a good perspective. I, I think I generally have the same thing. I mean, you know, I'm just essentially being the devil's advocate asking that question right. because I, there are definitely actors who aren't as prepared as they should be. Oh, for sure. And um, and like mistakes are one thing, whatever, or forgetting a line. Who cares? Like no big yeah. deal. But like when somebody clearly like Rami has put so much work and time into creating this character it just you don't want to interrupt that right right yeah but the guy who's just like reading the lines like you're like screw you man just hit your mark like a professional <laughs> you know I mean the only time that I'm particular about marks is really if I'm on a dolly and the dolly grip is a maybe a newer dolly grip that's worried about marks you know uh -huh. like, you know i'm like hey man you can't just hit marks <laughs> so you know that's when i'll if you know because and i'll do the same thing like in the same perspective of if i'm helping the actor i'll help the dolly grip like i'll go yeah. to the actor and be like i really need you to hit this mark this time I right know i usually make it all work but if you can just happen you know because i'm trying to make sure that you know because everybody's work suffers when sure. people get feel like they're singled out. Well, sometimes there are actual physical constraints too, so For they sure. have to hit that mark. Uh, you know, I, I remember being on a show. I was B camera, and we're shooting this scene. That's it's not super short, but it's probably a page and a half. It's like three characters, and we're going to open the scene in a certain way. And the A operator had this shot where. I don't know exactly what he, I can't remember exactly, but the actor had to hit this mark and then hit another mark. And they're very easy marks. They included like leaning up against a counter. Right. And then grabbing an apple out of a thing. Mm -hmm. Like super easy marks. But this guy was not a trained actor. He was terrible. Right. And um, so after six takes of him screwing it up, he... <laughs> The, the the operator and the dolly grip who are both very good there just hands in their head just like oh god what you know so then they're like okay and the dp comes in they're like just simplify it just fix it so it doesn't matter where you go so then they move it to where he he went like five out of the six times right. so they change the shot and then sure enough next take he does exactly what they wanted him to do previously right and it's like come on man and it took us an extra three hours to shoot all this stuff because oh anyway <laughs> So I got off on a tangent, no, but I, the point is like it doesn't matter how good everybody else is, they have to they have to contribute. I mean, we're talking about a big desk area and like you they can't go they can't fix what you're doing right now. Right. If we're in a big open space, sure we can go wherever. But I feel like as long as I'm working with a director that knows that I'm there to trying. help them move right. their thing forward and not trying to direct for them, um, where they allow me to, you know, get up with the actors and discuss exactly how they're going to land you know like i'll i'll give actors like can you land on your left foot and this time when you come around the corner make sure you step on your right foot and they're like they'll come, i'm crazy and i'm like look just think about it this next time when you go around the corner 
Um, you know, because if you make that turn on your left foot, you're going to land where you want to land. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that comes just from sports that I played. I was a wrestler in high school and, mm. and a little bit in college. And just that body awareness that we all have, and you, know, you develop it with Steadicam as well and all of our handheld. And I just, you know, I, I watch how they move and I try to help them move in their own body. Right. To get to the places that they need to be. No, that's really smart. I've never, I've never, I've never done exactly that before. Um, that's, yeah, that's a good idea. If you know that if they're, if they, if yeah. they get their left foot here, then they'll end up in the right place there. Yeah, I mean, certain That's people great. are bow-legged. Certain people, you know, like they always land on the left. They always, you know, like if they can't, if a shot's not going to work where they always land. If you watch people, they generally stand on one leg. Yes. So it's, you know, this time I need you to not land on the way you're comfortable. And they're like, okay. You know, it's something right. simple like that where it's not a million things for them to think about while they're trying to act. It's just one simple thing and sometimes they land there and go and then shift back and the shout it's good you know it's like it was a second that it wasn't perfect and then they're there like, right the best is when they land wrong look down realize they missed their mark <laughs> shift over <laughs> yeah that's bad that's when i start taking marks up i'll just take them away you're right i'll just be like look don't worry about it you know, if I can, you know, like obviously there are times where I can't. Yeah. You know, there might be a light or a problem or something that, you know, has to be avoided, you know, like a wall that yeah. you can't see. Well, physical marks are the best, right? For an actor like that that's mm-hmm. really bad about hitting marks. And it's like, just go, like if it's close, like just go to the corner of the couch. Yeah. If your legs almost touch in the corner of the couch, you're good enough. Like yep. you're fine there. Yeah. The worst is when they then they're halfway down the couch and you're like how i don't understand like i try to notice like with my open eye you know so i'm looking through the camera and then with my other eye i'm trying to notice what they're doing with their bodies like if i can if i catch someone that's not good with marks touching something i'm like hey when you come around this time instead of touching the corner of the table can you touch right here and I'll put an I put an ashtray I move like this kind of like can you touch right next to the glass uh-huh. and that puts them where they need to be you know like if right you know if I can catch something like that so I'm I'm constantly like looking for tells of yeah how people mobilize themselves through a space and, well no that's great and if they're if they're if they're willing to learn and I've just worked with a couple of actors I guess not a lot mm-hmm. like two or two or three maybe who just they just keep walking past the thing. They just, uh-huh, uh-huh, when you tell them, uh-huh, 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 and then they don't do it. Yes, I mean, there certainly are lost causes of people yeah. that are, like, you know, just have their SAG card and they have one line and they're never going to hit the mark. And Imagine if they were a series regular, a yeah. big part of the show every episode. <laughs> yes, I've I've had, uh, I've been on set where we've You've been there. Uh, the regulars have complete meltdowns over lines and like apologizing <laughs> while we're rolling and no one's saying cut and no one's saying anything because it had been so long uh that we were trying to shoot a scene and they just couldn't get through their monologue and like i remember i was i i had crawled off the dolly and it was like on the floor at one point because i'm like i can't catch this person's eye line if they look up and see me they're gonna just start talking to me about it and I was just begging, you know, like praying that they would, someone oh, would call no. cut and come and help this person who oh, was no. clearly having, you know. And they're just letting him. A, a major breakdown. It wasn't just flubbing lines. and 
Whoa, that's weird. Yeah, that's really weird. Did you <laughs> did you consider like that like being like guys? Come on, no way, <laughs> not in that situation. That, that was right. like. Uh, you know different yeah i get you know, it executive producers were all out there director was out there showrunner was there they, they all, all know what's going all on watching it um i you know were they torturing the person a little or maybe at that they point they were just letting it, it go it had been the same thing over and over again and um and I so think, this person was constantly bad at this shit and they're a good actor and they just you know they were putting too much pressure on themselves uh, and it was unraveled. It unraveled them. That's that's not good. No, <laughs> it was very bad. How did it get fixed? Did it? Uh, I think we moved on to shoot something else, and uh, you know, came back to it later. You know, said you know, I think they it was handled. You know, go go. You know, work on this, and we'll we'll, we'll just go shoot another scene we'll come back you know get yourself relaxed and whoa yep luckily we're on stage so it wasn't you know we could just move to another stage and shoot another scene yeah gotcha that's weird yeah (laughs) sure was (laughs) um so we got a little off mr robot but i wanted to talk to you more about it because Mm -hmm. um i love the composition in the show and I noticed it right away. I watched it right from the beginning. Yeah. And I just love the way you guys would just put like their chin on the bottom of the frame and then put yeah. 10 feet of head headroom or, or whatever, you know, like there was a odd asymmetric symmetry to it. If that, yeah, if that makes no, sense. I, I tried to keep it as symmetrical and framed as you could do something that was as off you know i basically when i first met with sam and uh, on the first day and we were talking about like what he liked he described the shot and i said that sounds to me um like if you mixed persona and um uh, steraro's work on um Uh, the conformist into one frame and he looked at me he's like he he molded over and mm-hmm. he said yeah that's that's yeah okay so i was like great i said so i got it you know i'm ready let's do it and that was uh, day one first thing day one first thing uh sam and i are you know basically the same age we went to nyu together oh you did so you've known him we never met we oh, have, we have okay. friends in common and somehow um, we didn't meet while we were at Tish. Huh. But yeah, so we came in and I, and he was like, if any director, because he didn't direct the first season, he said, if any director. Tells That's right. Him, and then he directed the whole second season, right? Because no one would do what he wanted. <laughs> right. He told me, you know, tell them to go fuck themselves, basically, if they don't do it. I'm like, I'm like, look, dude, we're from the same sp- place. Like, I'll tell them that if you really want me to. And he's like, yeah. I was like, so there was a lot of me. so you had to be a little harsh with directors sometimes and basically it was tough i'm was sure you tough. didn't tell directors to go fuck i didn't themselves, tell them to but, fuck them, but i definitely had to like you know 
take a stance on like no he really doesn't we don't do overs and sam people, is not gonna like that yeah people would go right. okay okay great to him like okay got it got it great 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 and then he would go offset and then they try to do what and he said would no. do, we would like someone would be like let's do traditional overs over here and i'm like we don't we don't do traditional overs it's a 32 mil you know each season was different uh-huh. but i think that season was a 32 millimeter uh at like two feet three inches was a close-up that was it there was no other close-up right there you know there wasn't overs when did you come to that was that he planned that previous or that happened while I you think, guys were on set i think that they had done tests and that's they had talked they about that yeah okay so that was your standard close-up yeah um and it changed and then it went to like a i think we went to k35 the second no we went to, we did one season on K35s. We did one season on the um, I forget, but each each the different lens set had uh, a specific lens that we liked the way it. Oh, your phone is buzzing away. Oh, it says goal. <laughs> you did it! Like wow, way to go! <laughs> Sitting uh, here, you did it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, no zooms, I assume. Very rarely. Right. Yeah, and the third season we mixed anamorphic and we mixed spherical. Right. I think I remember that. Do I? I don't know. He goes to the movies with his father and it goes into a whole uh, anamorphic sequence. Yeah. Right. Some of that was in his head. Well, who knows what's really in his head? I mean, everybody's going to find out next, you know, when this airs. What, what's right. real and what's not well real. right 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 yeah i mean the assumption is that it's in his head right, right. I, I get that yeah um no and i also like the very specific frame when people <laughs> i mr robot will come up in conversation with friends or whatever and sure. i'll say it's great and they they haven't seen it and i say oh, it's shot really cool like they they'll do this crazy they'll have like kind of a wide shot they'll have people talking to each other and they'll put the frame here and then have you yeah. know, instead of nose room, they have back of the head room, yeah. like for miles. And and I said, I just love it because it's because it's um, it's super unconventional. But like you said something earlier, you try to even though it's different, you try to make it symmetrical or whatever. I tried to, yeah, we would go it's with like the sym- symmetry of the architecture. Right, it's still like nicely framed. Yeah, even though it's completely framed different than any of us. If we walked into a show to day play, we oh, would yeah. never do something like that. And we might move a character, you know, like if, like for you and I sitting across the table, we might shoot your close up, you know, thirty feet over just because the architecture works better, and then this one really feet that way, yeah. And we don't do overs, so like it's right. never a problem. And they're so out, they're want. so on their own in those frames that you you can't tell. Yeah, that's really yeah, that's really great. Like. I'm sure you've done some two shots, but like probably really wide and or something, right? Right. Yeah. When we did two shots, they'd be, you know, very wide, like a twenty-one from twenty feet away or at least further. Feet right. Away. Yeah. Right. So like a still really wide shot. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. Something like from Lawrence of Arabia wide. You know. Like yes. Right. Um, no, I noticed that, but so I I love that. Um, going into the show, how much did you know about the storyline and all that? Nothing. Okay. Um, did you get to read the scripts? 
I did. Okay. Are you a fan of Fight Club? <laughs> yes. Okay. I so it turns out season one is like I'm not I'm I'm gonna say an homage in a lot of ways to Fight Club, right? Well, I think because of our age, you know, when we're at film school together, Fight Club was like the big thing. You know? Right. You know, so I think they are homages, but I I've never really really sat down with Sam and asked him if he literally is trying to collect it kind of like a tarantino is really doing it or if it's you know since that's what we watched and we'd go to the movies over and over again to watch you know fight club 10 times and we watch pulp fiction 15 times right is it something that just informs us okay that's that's how i feel about myself anyway so i got it understood understood as a viewer there are so many there are too many similarities in my opinion yeah um, and here's what like here's what because you don't know going through you mm-hmm. don't know this that's this is the brilliant part of it in my opinion you can't tell that it is that you don't know how related it kind of is until like the last episode right and and what gives it away in the last episode is the last song they play is the same last song that's played in Fight Club right where is my mind Right. Pixies, my favorite band ever, <laughs> um, and uh, which their music pops up in TV like crazy. Yeah. But this was a very specific, and I thought, you know what, he's this is great because you could look at it from a perspective of oh, he's ripping them off, which I I didn't feel like, but I'm saying some people could. Mm-hmm. But then when he does that, I'm like, oh, this is his nod to say, yeah, I know, yeah. I did this on purpose. Hundred percent. Love Fight Club. Like it all. Th- that song told me all that stuff. Absolutely. In my mind. And of there's course. nothing in any of those frames that are not specifically put there. You know, like uh, the way everything is supposed to be is the way it is. Like every right. every piece of wardrobe and like it's it's all you know Sam's you know very meticulous and. You know, like I've never worked with Scorsese, but the same way people say that he's like got the whole thing, right? Every little piece down before you ever go there, right? Fincher as well. Yeah, well, that's that's an extreme, I think. I mean, if Sam, I'd like, does he do tons of takes of everything? I mean, I know you talked about the Wonder, but that's a super complicated. No. no. Okay, so he's not doing forty takes of one. No, and he's not deleting. Uh, you know that was crap, and deleting it like I've heard have, has happened on other sets. Wait, what? Uh, who was telling me that? Was one older Fincher when when uh, media was such a big, uh, you know, like everyone was worried about how much media you were getting. Uh-huh. Uh, apparently, Fincher would like go over and delete takes if he's like, "I'm not going to use that. Let's do it again." Really. <laughs> Wow. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. I mean, it definitely saves time, obviously. I mean, it's if his you film. Know what you're going to use, yeah. So. You, know, you don't have anybody sifting through takes and wasting their time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> the thing is, like, I'm just thinking about it. Like, how many takes did he delete? Because <laughs> like, he's famous for doing, like, 50 takes of everything. So, or not yeah. everything, but, you yeah. know. Um, that's interesting but everybody has their own pro i mean i love fincher's me too uh, i love his work films who was it uh jeff haley said it's like i love 
Fincher's work and I'll watch all of it, but I'm not going to work with him. Yeah. And I was like, wow, really? Um, yeah. I mean, he has the pick it, to a certain degree it, where his career is right now. Right. But um, yeah, I, no, it's I mean, an he interesting picks everything. perspective. You know, um, Fincher picks everything, you know, like the cameras, the lenses, like. Yeah. You know. Oh, I meant, sorry, I meant. I know you meant Healy can pick whatever he, he, he wants, but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He can yes, pick to work with people he wants You don't wants have to. much artistic input. Right. When everything is picked for you. Right. So, so I think he's just being pragmatic and saying, look, I'm not the right, because he does jobs where he's known right. going in. He's like, this is how I do things. And Yeah, you know, I don't think I would thrive in that position either. I don't feel like I'm a, a hammer, and I think that could make you feel like a hammer. Just yeah. a tool, right? Like, you know. Maybe. Um, I don't know. I guess I'm a little more curious about it than... I would love to do it. I totally would do it. If <laughs> okay. offered. If offered. Right. But I can see his point, and I can see... No, I see his and point, too. And I've thought too. Of that before about Fincher, like, because he is so exacting. Right. Um, that maybe it's less rewarding than a show where you can be like, well, what if we tried this? You know? Right. It's just hard to know until you do it. It might, for some reason... I'm sure for certain people it would be aggravating and pull your hair out annoying. Right. And for other people it might be really fulfilling in a weird way like like just working under a teacher and having right. the teacher teach you how Absolutely. to You know what I mean? Yeah. Um but that moment where you're like this frame sucks and <laughs> doesn't make any sense <laughs> and you know you can't it can't be changed, you know. Right. Um But we all have that, right? I mean Yeah, but um <clears throat> Well, if anybody's, if there's a person that's least likely to change, I imagine of the people I know of, it's Fincher. Right. Um, so, and then you have, you know, the, 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 all the other people who fit somewhere onto the spectrum of, sure, let's try that or <laughs> fuck you, don't change a thing. Right. Yeah. So, you know, and I don't know, I, I, I also hear people complaining when, directors and dps are too like willy-nilly about stuff and they want you to do everything you know um that's probably a tv thing right because i feel like that's you know on tv i've definitely been told like you're the a camera operator you run everything (laughs) i'm like okay right and you know different people work different ways or whatever but you know i've had dps bitch to me like um God, I can't believe I have to direct this episode because this director sucks. Like they're doing, you know, they feel like they're doing all the work, or, right? Well, you know, and, not because how could they be directing the episode if they're back at a DIT station? You know, it has to be the person that's on the camera if the director's not doing it. Um, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, I see your point. Not everybody's at a DIT station all the time, but mm-hmm. but you know, well, this was a particular situation actually when this happened. And I was just day playing Steadicam. It was a really weird thing. Oh, a show that never used that and uses Steadicam, and they they wanted to do this really complicated long shot. But so first thing in the morning, the director's like, um, like I'm looking at the sides. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to like read the sides, and the director's like, "So what do you think, Brad? How should we do this?" And I'm like, "It's my first day here." Like. <laughs> <laughs> like, and the DP is like, no, 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 no. He's new here. He's he does what you want. Where do you want? Where do where do you want the shot to start? What do you want to happen? Oh, I just want him to because he's the expert. He's the steadicam guy. And the DP is like, no, 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 no. 
you're the director you tell him and then he can add his input but we he, he's not creating the shot for you how long has this been going on is this the first day of their collaboration because that just sounds like two people that are not no it on. wasn't and i don't know which day of the episode it was but right. it was not the first episode that this that she had directed and and so you know it was and that that's when like after we finally rehearsed something like mm-hmm. we finally went through it and i felt the same way at the time i'm like don't ask me like you tell me where the shot goes right. yes i can tell you hey what about this hey what about that right but you know mm-hmm. um i didn't say that i was just kind of like uh and she's doing this with with you know um first team on set like with us and everything it, it just it was a little odd it yeah. wasn't like terrible or anything but it was right. odd and yeah. then he was going back at her and then when we finally figured it out we're leaving set and he says i'm sick of fucking having to direct you know and that's when he was right yeah, pitching I mean, and i've been there many 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 times where you know, either I'm there all the time or I was day playing and right. I've had the, you know, like clearly the director is not doing what the DP wants them to do. And vice versa. And vice versa. Right. <laughs> and they put you in this position of like, hey, so what, what should we do? Because they don't want any more, they don't even want to talk to DP anymore. Yeah. Right? And the DP doesn't want to talk to them, but the DP wants everyone to know for sure that this person is not in doing charge. what a director is right. supposed to be doing. Right. You know, and you're just like. Yeah. So you know, I I try to just run with it when that happens to me, but you know I've definitely been in the position. Well, th- this particular situation, there was one other moment, and I can't remember exactly how it went, but for like the third time or something, the the director like asked me what I thought or how whatever, and um or no I forget shit I forget the question. Anyway, I realized at this moment like this DP is gonna be very unhappy if i start throwing and i was like look i'll just defer to you and him and whatever you guys figure out then and he was like he like gave me the nod and i was like okay because you know day one yeah and he doesn't know me and we haven't yeah. done a shot yet so right. it was just one of those things i had to like prove that i was on his side which honestly i'm on both their sides right but certain dps especially when they're on a series for the f- full time they they don't want you on the director's side. They want you on their side. Right, 100%. Those are their guests. Right. But I can be on everybody's side. Right. <laughs> yes. Right? I can want the director to have good shots, and I can want the DP's work to look great. Right, because if we're not on all our sides together, you know, that just means another 14-hour day. Right, right. And I think people are a little short-sighted, and they don't, they don't necessarily... Yeah, I mean, that to me, you know, having no no idea what really was going on seems to be they've hired a director for the second time that, you know, because this happened to me. I mean, I've been on sets where, you know, I've done multiple seasons of shows and they bring a director back in that, like, I, you know, fought tooth and nail every shot because they want to do something that, like I know that we will never do. Right. Like, they won't air it. You know, like, there's very specific things that right. each showrunner likes and doesn't like and... Uh, you know, so I'll try to like, you and know, the producers bring them back because they like their cut. Right. And they're like, they don't realize the cut came from you. Right. <laughs> you know, like I had one director just like, fine, if you don't want to do what I want to do, do whatever the fuck you want. And like walked away. And then my reward was the, they got the cut back and the showrunner's like, Oh my God, it's great. I'm like, Oh, Oh, great. <laughs> right. But they didn't notice that part. Yeah. They missed the part where they told you to do, do it. Right. 
But, yeah, you, you know, know, I've also had the same showrunner come back to me and on other episodes and be like, so I hear I'm going to have to call the DGA for you and get you in the, you know. Uh, so, you know, it, it gets noticed eventually. People but, notice and talk. Yeah, 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 of course. Yeah, you know, it's too bad because there are so many good directors out there. They're great. And, yeah. Well, you know, what it is, I think part of what it is now is there's so much content for the last five, ten years or however long it's sure. been now. And there's just more and more and more and more content. And all those great directors are constantly busy. And and we need more directors. Yeah. So you're just going to run into amateurs, you know? And I think that there's also, you know, you come up in certain places where, the, you know, every DP is different. Like some DPs want to light it, yeah. let you operate it, let the director direct it. Mm-hmm. Some DPs are like... This is my show, my look. You're a visitor. Right. You direct the actors. I'll take care of all of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if they came up under a position where the DP ran everything and all they did was deal with actors, you know, or maybe they were a writer or they were an editor, they don't have the background mm-hmm. to, you know, do it the right way, quote unquote. Right. You know, they're just like, I don't, you know, this is kind of what I want, you know. and Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it goes back to the thing about actors hitting marks and stuff, you know. It's like the the job of actor includes hitting marks. Mm-hmm. The job of director includes directing. Right. You know, and that means everybody. Right. And yeah. but some shows not, they're not really open to change. You know, like Law and Order, when I, you know, I would go in into SVU and I would do a camera when John was on vacation or whatever for an episode and you know, it was specific. I mean, the dolly grip could, like, I didn't have to do you know, No, I, I had to run the set. No, I get that. But, but what I mean is directing within the parameters of right. the show you're on. Right. You Being know? malleable to it and understanding yeah. who you are, for sure. Yeah, look, when Guy B came in, you know, he's like, if you can get one shot, we've talked about that a couple times, if you can get one shot per day that you wanted to do, yeah, um, you're doing great, you know? Right. And... If you just get all the shots that they want, you're doing great. And not and not adding trying to add ten other shots all the time that they're not gonna use. You have to realize like you have to fit into this show. This right. show looks this way. No, yeah. they do not do stuff on a three hundred mil. They right. just they won't use it. They shoot their close ups on a thirty two <laughs> from two feet away and trying to do it on a seventy five, you know, um um uh chin to eyebrows when they don't, that does not get aired. Like, yeah. why are you wasting my time? You know, you can be creative, but be creative in the way that fits the show, right? Right. Because I still have to shoot the thirty-two. You know, like that's like getting if, shot if no I matter don't what. Shoot the thirty-two. If you quit right now, we're shooting the thirty-two <laughs> shot. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. But if you and if you force me not to shoot the thirty-two, like the only thing that's going to happen is you're never going to work here again. Like, right. You know, like all I'm going to do is be like, hey, I, I did everything I could to get them to put the 32 up the way we were supposed to do it. And I failed you know, and I'm sorry, you know, like right. the or whoever. Right. Has the, who has the and then book. they just don't use it and they reshoot it later or something. Right. Yeah. Or the next day they tell that director, we have to do that period. Like, yeah. Right. That, um, yeah, that's, that's a thing. I understand people want to be creative and they're directors and they want to put their input in their, you know, their talent into the thing and that's great and everything but um 
you know, not everybody's Spike Lee or whoever, you know, yeah. that that just gets to do whatever they want whenever they want. Yeah, Spike's great. Right, and if you but but he does, you know, he doesn't do episodic TV. We just did. Uh, we doesn't direct it, does he? Or yeah, did, yeah, he what just did directed. Just uh, um, the, I just did it last summer. The um, she's got to have it for Netflix. Okay. All right. Well, but okay. like he still does it exactly that way. You know, he directs the whole thing and. Okay, fine. So what, you get my point, though. He's yeah. not a day. He's not a guest director on a show. No, friend, no. Definitely not doing that. And he wouldn't work because he'd come in. That's not a knock on him. Right. It's not the way he directs. Right. And so, if you want to direct episodic TV, you should understand how that story works. Correct. It's okay to have ideas, but when the whole crew is like, they won't use that. Then you go, oh, shit, okay, well, what if we try this? Nope, okay, what if we try this? Oh, okay, good, let's do that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. uh, Anyway, you know, trying to force your creativity down somebody else's throat just doesn't work. And if you're making a feature, okay, fine, you're going to fight the studio over your cut or whatever you want to do, but you get to shoot what you want, right. you know? If you're on a TV show, you shoot what you're told. <laughs> you shoot the TV show. <laughs> right, yeah. right. Anyway, um, I feel like more directors should learn that like that's part of what makes guy a good director is he goes into different shows and fits into the show and manages to bring his perspective and his creativity into their format yeah i think it's a you know and it's an insecurity thing you know it's you know feeling like you owe something to whoever hired you to give me you know, like oh you hired me because i did this independent film that you love that was gritty so right. i'm gonna make your show gritty like Right. No, you got the job because you did something that was original awesome and they loved it. Right. And now they want you to implement directing <laughs> or whatever it is, DP, whoever. Right. Into the parameters of the new show. Yeah. Not come in and make a, you know, a TV show out of a romance. Yeah. I think producers and directors should be more informed about that. So producers can talk to directors a little more about that. And directors should know. You know, if they're coming out of film school or wherever they're, you know, maybe it's the DGA's job. I don't think they can do too much. Like once you've been given the job. No, no, I'm, I'm not, not sure. I'm that... saying, no, no, no. I'm saying before they get the job. Mm. So they should get, take a training seminar. Yeah. And, you know, and have people come in and tell them like, look, you know, maybe an experienced director come in and say, look, when I did Law and Order, this is how it went. Period. The DGA does that. I don't know. I, mean, I don't know how long they've been doing it, but I, I do know. Roll ass. <laughs> ah, yeah. I didn't know that. Okay, uh, no, because I have a friend of mine has just become DJ, and they oh. did. They had to come in, uh, and they did you know TV directing for them. But I don't know you know how in depth to it what extent, what it covers, right, 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 right. And whether it covers, yeah, that, you know what really you're supposed to be doing. Well, they experience a certain thing that we experience as Steadicam operators of Fairmount, and just as operators, as you come into a show for a day or for mm -hmm. two days or second unit or whatever it is. And a lot of times the assistants will give you a little a little tip. Oh, they like a lot of headroom or they never they don't like too much headroom or you know what I mean yeah. like whatever or you know I've had a dolly grip say they they won't like that. Oh, really? What if I zoom out or what if I do this? Yeah. Yeah, that's more like, okay, cool. Right. Cuz why am I, you know, I'm there to do the show they want me to do. And so directors come in for one episode. They haven't seen how, you know. Yeah, totally. So I don't know. Um, 
Anyway. Yeah, I think being malleable is definitely the biggest asset you can have in this business. And, you know, I think that people don't realize that. Yeah. No matter what their job is, whether they're the director or the grip or whatever. I've had, actually, it's funny. I've heard directors tell me a couple different perspectives. Um, One is, yeah, um, my episode started on a Friday. They do long hours on this show. And so Thursday they finished the episode and they worked a 15 hour day. Right. (laughs) And they're like, so I just, I just understood that I, I didn't want to kill them, especially on a Friday and that I should just go a little simpler with some of my coverage and stuff because the crew matters and I need them to be my friend all next week and for, you know, two more days into the next week. Mm -hmm. Um, so I've heard that perspective. Then I've heard the perspective of, well, it's not my fault you worked so long. I still got to get my shot. You know what I mean? Right. And there's a different way to look at it there. And um, I think the experience director says to the producers, maybe, hey, they're beat up. Like, what if we push that little, those two little quarter page things that we were going to do to next Monday? We can have a little longer day on Monday, but at least it won't be a killer on Friday, you know? Right. And maybe maybe it works. And that's the whole thing with the first AD, too, you know? Figuring, whoops, sorry. That's all right. Figuring that stuff out and, and like, I don't know. I just feel like planning is so important. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've had directors that, you know, have told me that they have a, a strategy of, you know, like that, you know, LA wants to have this amount of data. Like that they know, having worked for whoever for so many years, that they want this much data. They don't want to, you know, like it's like the old idea of tapes. They want to be able to pick up seven tapes, but now they want to go, how much data was it? It was, uh, you know, 100 gigs and everybody, or whatever it is, whatever that number is per day. And they want it to be close there. If it's not close, then they're worried that they don't have enough coverage. So they need to deliver data. Then they've also, and the same ones have also told me that, they will also, they get worried if, you know, a show that classically does long hours, if they come in and simplify it and do, and shorter, do hours. shorter hours, that they get kickback from that as well. So that they'll actually do, like in your example, on that Friday, they'll come in and they'll simplify and they'll get everybody out. And they'll do a 10-hour day, a hero, right. Right? right? And then Monday, they'll do a 12. Tuesday, they'll do a 14. Wednesday, they'll do a 12 or an 11 uh-huh. and I saw he'll like mix in or he or she will mix in a few 14s and a few 11s and 12s right you know and build their coverage based on yeah this hourly thing that they want to deliver which I uh, I've like, heard the whole thing of if they don't do enough hours we're worried and that's that's from this perspective of like oh this show takes this long to shoot who was I talking to with Afton like they tell them they have 14 so they use 14 Right. I, I I can't remember if it was Afton or. Oh yeah, you guys are talking. That was weird because I've usually the ones that I've been told out that have said that they have 14s. They usually are elapsed. You guys were saying that it wasn't elapsed and it wasn't and it was from they're all rap different. time. They're all they're all different. Yeah. Um. The, no, the show I was talking about it was from call to rap, but not elapsed. So lunch didn't count. Pre calls hmm. didn't count. Rap time didn't count right because he was saying nbc universal and i'm pretty sure that that's who did mr robot Mm -hmm. and i'm pretty sure it was like 14 elapsed right but yeah but my point is they'll they will tell you that every show we do is like this but every show's different (laughs) 
Oh right, yeah, they're all full of it. But they, they don't... do get they do get slapped on the hand. You know, there are certain ones where the producers, you know, like obviously sure. they've been the producers for a long time. Sure, but like I've been standing there with them where they're like, I gotta go make a phone call, and you know, and you, and it's real. Like I'm, yeah, yeah, because they have to ask. You no, know? no, no, no. I get that. I'm just saying, like they tell one show it's 14 elapsed. They tell another show do shoot as long as you want. They tell another show it's 14 call the rap without lunch. You know what I mean? I don't know that they tell them that. I think that they misinterpret in their own advantage uh maybe you're right maybe you're right maybe because you know the the 14 elapsed it's on the paperwork i'm pretty sure for nbc universal when you like well maybe that's their maybe that's fine i'm not saying nbc i'm saying all the different studios and stuff they all have different rules sometimes one studio has different rules for different shows that i'm 100 percent sure oh yeah yeah no i went from one fox show that we're doing ridiculous hours to another one where they're like every fox show is 14 hours and i'm like no it's not and they're like yes it is and i'm like right well i don't understand why you're saying that like, which goes back to our whole negotiating issues and why we've lost things in our union before because yeah the, not this time but the previous time we went to negotiate they that was their sense it's like no here's the paperwork it says right here we don't do more than 14 hours right and we didn't have any paperwork together right uh the data was out for us all we can tell you is that you know we get these phone calls you know like, you, know, you get these phone calls that are random days but like right you know here's our paperwork it says we do 14 hour days right right um so i i know they collected more for this last negotiation yeah i mean that's the funny part the studios are being way more proactive about the hours thing than the union and um and it's because of they because they know they're gonna they're gonna have a teamster on his seventeenth hour and he's gonna crash a fifteen pass van and kill seven people. Well, it's not premonition. It happens all too often. Okay, but I'm saying something really look, a lot of bad stuff. People crash all the time, people have died plenty of times. I, I submit that a lot of stuff isn't reported when people haven't slept. And yeah. This but happens. yeah, the lawsuits. My point word, is they're going to have some really catastrophic one-time event, like a 15-pass yeah. van, a guy falling asleep, crashing it and killing a bunch of people. Sure. And they're going to get sued for a billion dollars, you yeah. know? And they know it's going to happen if they keep this up. So finally, their lawyers are like, hey, we got to cut back on this, you know? Right. Because the like, data is You can't is keep in. fighting this because you're going to have precedent for you know the lawsuit against you exactly right because yeah. the data the studies are all done mm-hmm. many many studies they don't it's clear to everybody you know uh, not sleeping enough and 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 working really long hours is a recipe for disaster for sure. in multiple areas including driving or just heart disease and all kinds of other things yeah and our union's like we'll get to that later <laughs> I mean, I, I think know, they're getting to it. You know, I mean, I, you know, I know it's not as fast as we want it to do, be, but you know, knowing that we can't really strike because even if our union wants to strike, the rest of them were beholden to their other thirteen. Yeah. So they're not going to strike, even if you know local six hundred voted for a strike, it will not create a strike. That doesn't mean anything, right? Yeah. Um, well, we can't even vote to get to the vote, right? <laughs> I think that every well, time... Well, our no vote, our no vote doesn't matter. Last year... No, I'm sorry. The last one, the last uh, pre, the previous negotiation, it did come down to, in the room, The um, Matt asked everybody, like, are you guys willing to strike on this? And it came back, like, you know, like the only two people that raised their hands was makeup and 600. Mm. You know, can and what you was get, the issue? Can you get a what, vote? That, it was ours. Yeah. Right. Yeah, because makeup, 
uh, makeup gets work brutalized. even worse hours than we do. Yeah. Like when we're doing 14s, they're doing 17s. Yeah. You know, if we yeah. do 16s, they did 20. Yeah. I mean, look, it, it, it almost evens out a little because I'm not saying they would ever take a nap or anything, but they have a little more downtime than we do. Right. We definitely are in the worst position as, as operators. Operator, yeah. We are just pummeled with all day, nonstop, right. and... Yeah, and the grip electrics can rotate themselves out, so to speak. Yeah. I don't know if we talked about this. I've talked about this with other people, and it's I think it's gaining a little traction lately, especially with G&E and stuff, but like the four-day week thing and just rotate a person. Um, I mean, I like the idea. It'll never work as an operator. Yeah, I mean. Well, it will never work unless we make it work, which will be very hard to do. Right. I mean, we'll be released from jobs, right? I mean, right. like I've, you know, like I've had DPs where I'm like, Hey, you know, my, my cousin's getting married on a Friday. I need, I need Friday off. And they're like, do you need to? Right. I'm like, well, I mean, I would really like to go to my cousin's wedding. And they're like, oh, can I think about it? I'm like, you know, I was like, no, that's fine. You know, don't think about it. It's cool. I just won't go. Really? Oof. Yeah. I'm like, you know, I've, I've also had other DPs that are like, what are you kidding? You need to go? Of course. Go on Thursday. Right. Like, you know, get there and get, be ready for the wedding. I'm like, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I've had producers that are like, what do you What do you mean? Like, I've had producers call me and be like, why is the, the second AC not in today? I'm like, well, I don't know. I'm like, well, who said that he could take the day off? I'm like, I, I, I don't know. I'm sure he has a personal issue that he needs to deal with. You know, like maybe <laughs> he's sick or, you know, like, oh, okay, all right, um, yeah, yeah, okay, all right. You know, and they like, freak out about that? Yeah. That's weird. Yeah, because they want, they're just, like, worried. You know, like, they're worried about every single cog. They don't want to worry about, you know, they have so many other things to worry about. They don't want to worry about the guy who's slating. It's like, it's, it's funny, like, though, because in so it. many other ways, <laughs> they act like we're we're so replaceable. Right. Do you know what I mean? They act like, oh, there's a million of you. Like, right. I mean, I feel lucky that I don't get that often. You know, the I no, can, I don't I mean personally. I just thing. mean in a general in a general sense. Like, I mean, we were talking about union stuff. Like, yeah. negotiating wise, they act like we're we're almost useless to them. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> um, like even like the three percent thing. It's like, you know, what we gained we gained one thing the hour turnaround, right? Which is important. Yeah, it should be more than that. But okay, that's a good start. Okay, where's our good start everywhere else, you know? Sure. And everybody makes a big stink about pension and um uh and 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 salary and our salary's going down. Yeah. I mean, it, it there's no arguing that the 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 um inflation has gone up more than our percent increase. Yeah, so I mean- well, that's nothing else York, that's, know, ever since the merger. Yeah. You know, like there are steady cam operators that are making like, you know, $30,000 a week on movies well, in the 80s. Right, 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 right. Let's not talk about what we... <laughs> let's not talk about other, you know, let's not be too specific. But, um, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. But that, no, but I get your point. I'm saying but that's when it was a super specialty. Sure. Yeah. I, it, no. And I know the rates have gone down. Yeah. Um, the day playing rates especially have gone down. Yeah. Um, I don't know about New York, but they have here a lot. Yeah. I mean, I definitely don't know as much because I'm not day playing as much as I am. Uh, as much as I used to. So. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, you know, there used to be like one set rate, and now it's like 30% less. Than that. Well, no, really? now it's like whatever the, like, 
a lot of people will tell you like you can't make more than a regular operator it's like but i'm the day player <laughs> yeah i'm yeah. not here five days a week yeah i mean are you represented by russell no yeah so i mean i don't I, russell deals with that but i don't uh i don't ever go in for the operator's rate right the and other operators right you know like who, no no no. i understand that um and um I, I have. might have to I, I might have you know like i might have to well if, no my point my point being there are jobs where they're they literally say to take it or leave it that's all we're paying for that yeah so if you want to come in and do second unit right. that's all you're getting right we'll find somebody else yeah and they know they will and they're they're 100 percent right about that so then will. you just have to decide like i've talked to some younger operators and other people yeah about like you know i'm not going to be mad if you take something like if you got to pay the rent you got to pay the rent you know but, sure but you you should be fighting as much as you can and you know what i mean i, I don't well, know. I mean we all know as soon as we tell a producer that our rate you know like give away ten dollars or an hour or whatever it is you know like that's now your rate yep so yeah you know or the guys that really you know that go hundreds of dollars less right yeah yeah so it's you know it's a never-ending battle yeah. um i know there have been sure. guys talking about trying to get together and talk about things and just share info so we all know what's going on that's been tried so yeah, many times over the years and know. i'm sure it doesn't hurt it can't hurt but the people out there that want to take jobs at scale and really shitty rental rates and stuff they're not coming to that meeting no they're not that's the problem yeah <laughs> so because we don't know them that, you know like you know until we know them like how you know and then when you do know them you know who's going to come because you know 40 guys want to kick the shit out of them right. <laughs> you know? right i mean inform is a better way to put it you know um but like I had a I had a friend who was day playing on the show and well th they called him to day play, and they offered him scale to come in and do second unit, and he said I'm sorry you know I can't I can't do that to do a steady right, and they said well that's what we pay and he said well I'll have to decline then you know thanks for calling me but you know good luck right and so someone six months or a year before that had taken one of those jobs that he had done the exact same thing the same person did it again. And he'd had a talk with him. Right. And he talked to him again. And he, I asked him who it was. And kind of to his discredit, he wouldn't tell me. Right. I'm like, I'm not out here to, I'm not going to say his name on the podcast or like right. shame him. But it's, we need to know. It's good to know what's up so that we can, you know, talk because to each other. Because if that person gets on our list, right. you know, like, I don't want to be someone that's vouching for that person. Right. You exactly know, I don't right. I know that they're... Not, exactly right. I know, think he felt like he was. Yeah. I, th I think he felt like he didn't want to be like spreading rumors or talking shit about somebody, which I understand. Right. But it's not a rumor. Right. And I mean, anyway, he just, th that's the funny part is like, he'd kind of gotten the bus rolled over him, but he was trying not to throw the bus, oh, roll yeah, that guy under the bus, you right. know? So anyway, the, the problem is the people that are going to screw you are going to screw you no For matter sure. what you say <laughs> yeah absolutely unfortunately yeah it's just the way it is um you know we we got off we got off topic a little bit i i could probably talk to you a lot more about mr robot okay but you can if you want to continue well maybe if i think of something specific okay. but but i was going to mention power because you said you're doing season six or just we just, just wrapped season six on monday it was our last shooting day six seasons 
uh, cool. How was that show? Because I know when I was on Empire, I didn't even know of Power. Mm-hmm. And somebody's like, oh, yeah, that's like our... Um, um, that's like our enemy show or whatever. I don't. Yeah, in a friendlyish well, you, way. You know what's funny about that is that basically Empire. We were out first. And oh, okay. We were on Stars, so no one had Stars, but people had heard of this Fifty Cent vehicle. Uh, and uh, if you go back and look at the first commercials for Empire, which have nothing to do with our show, they looked very similar, as if they're trying to tease a story like our show. So they, they seemingly intentionally confused oh really an audience into watching it because huh. I, I have people all the time be like oh my god that show empire that you do is great i'm like i don't do that show <laughs> i haven't seen taraji since person of interest different black music show <laughs> right right i've never seen power either so I, I don't know but i did work with uh with curtis uh 50 cent mm-hmm. on a movie a long time ago and he was yeah. He was kind of very almost opposite of what I expected. Oh yeah, he's a great guy, a very super in- smart. Well, not that he man. wouldn't be a great guy, but as like this rapper who's been shot and all this stuff, right. I expected this thug. big. Well, no, no, I didn't. I didn't even think that. I just thought he'd be a big personality, you uh-huh. know, whatever. And and he was so like subdued and quiet and very respectful and very nice, but but like almost inward. Yeah, he's watching everything that's going on, you know, like he, you know, it's his business, you know, like, and he runs a business and he runs it quietly and he's great. You know, like I've, you know, I would consider him a friend, you know, like we, you know, I texted him pictures and, you know, like he's, yeah, you know, he's a good dude to work with. I hope to continue working with him on more shows. You, are you, is that your final season or that's our final season there's some spinoffs coming oh really yeah oh okay that's cool um yeah he's a good guy i remember there was some controversy at some point was he naked on the show or something or uh well he killed his son on the show so there there's been lots of controversy on the show but oh, like, he lo- like he loves that he's like he does his own instagram and he runs you know he loves publicity so he's constantly right doing all sorts of things you know like i thought he had a fight with the producers over something though no oh really i must have misheard okay gotcha i mean other than you know like he's you know i want my money but like half that stuff's choking i have no idea what really goes on like his instagram he was like a few months ago was it recent you're talking about like a few no. months ago oh. no 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 this is years ago oh okay yeah. i don't i have no idea he's got a bunch of shows too so it they may not have had anything to do with power. It was definitely power that I heard about, but I probably heard it wrong, or it okay. was, or it was one of these things where it was like just to get some publicity kind of stuff. Right, that may have been it. Mm-hmm. Um, which, whatever, you know. So yeah, we started um, the DP Tim Ives and uh, from Girls did the first season of Power, and uh, that's a big switch. Yeah, to go from Girls to Power. Yeah, it was definitely a, a shock to make a. You know, it's a movie, a TV show about sex, drugs, and killing. So, right, just you know, the other show is about you know being a twenty-something in New York and doing drugs, female, yeah, right, occasionally doing drugs, and yeah, just what life is like after college in Manhattan and the Vibros. Yeah, but yeah, so I started as a B camera, steady cam op did a two seasons like that moved up to a and uh last season season five i dp'd my first episode 
and this season I DP three more episodes. Oh, cool, man! Yeah, that's awesome. So, um, you're hoping to to shoot, obviously. Yeah. Um, and get out of Steadicam. Eventually, I think it'll, it'll be. Uh, that was a hesitation. Difficult to do uh, both at the same time. Like I'm not running away from it. You know, like uh, you know, if I get offered more Steadicam and not a TV show to DP, and I'll keep doing Steadicam. And you know, I love operating. You know, yeah. I think you can. You know, like how I pay attention to how someone puts their hand down. You know, like that's yeah. not something I'm going to be doing when I'm the DP. Yeah. No, that's that's fun. I mean, I think the 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 best DPs could do anything. Like I've worked with some they they could be the gaffer, they yeah. could be the hammer, they could be the dolly grip, they could be the operator. You know what I mean? Well, that was what my whole um tutelage was basically from the start. The gaffer that met me was like, "So you want to be a DP?" cuz you know, that's why I went to film school is to be a cinematographer. Yeah. And uh, you know, I was constantly shooting anything I could and gaffing and gripping and uh, so, you know, he moved me from gaffing, from doing electric to gaffing. And he also moved me from one point into working with a key grip. He's like, you got to go learn all that stuff now. Learn how to shade light. You know, so he put me off with a key grip for uh, two years. And I really. Yep. Oh, wow. So you just went and worked as a hammer for two years. Yeah. So I was still gaffing a little bit, but I you know, ended up being that key grip's best boy for a while. And. Uh, and then also shooting and then you know that uh, Book of Pooh came along and we all went on to that and I went on as the gaffer and the key grip went on as the key grip and right um, he took off because he really wasn't interested in doing stuff like that you know he was used to being you know Harris's non-union key grip and right. stuff like that so um, he took off and I moved up to shoot it and you know we've followed right. that line before but yeah 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 but yeah so that was always the intention was to move forward and steadicam i just loved you know the first time i touched the steadicam i was like this thing's fantastic you know having been you know i was still wrestling in college the first time i used it so i just put it on and you know you know it showed me how to balance it and you know there was no fatigue factor or anything right I just run around and had a blast yeah um I was going to ask you, you said his non, Harris's non-union key grip. Is there still a big non-union contingent in New York? Yeah. Really? For commercials? Yeah, because there's no union commercials in New York. I mean, I don't... None? Very few. Not none. Why? I don't know why you know, oh. it moved. You know, like it, you know, when I started in the business, it was basically music videos, commercials, and movies, and there were just a few TV shows. Yeah, well, and they booted music videos out of the city. Music videos got booted, you know, <laughs> after... Um, well, they effectively booted them by changing the amount of decibels that you could play outside. Right, they changed no- noise ordinances, yeah. right? So that, For good reason, I think, right? Yeah, I mean, we were doing tons of... I mean, I didn't... You're blasting music on the street, and thousands of people live around yeah. there, right? You know, but I mean, a lot of them we did, like in the hood like we did jay-z's hard knock life in marcy projects you know like with right you know you know so it wasn't like they were happy to have you there like it was yeah yeah yeah. you know and i guess there were i'm sure there were places that were trouble but you know most of the time i think we're in places that at least in my experience we were in places that everyone loved you know the music and we're happy to have you know big pun or 
Fat Joe or Buster Rhymes or Alicia Keys or whoever we were doing. Right. Um. Did oh? Did you work with Alicia? Did mm-hmm. you do one with her? I I she was on Empire a little bit. Oh uh, right. A couple episodes. She was fantastic. She's awesome, right? Yeah, yeah. Really, really great. Um. Wait. So you did Jay Z's Hard Knock Life video? Yeah, it was a Dolly Grip. Oh really? Yeah. That's funny. I I was thinking Steadicam. I guess not. No, that was before I got. That was. Yeah, that was when I was you know learning to do grip work before I bought the Steadicam. Steadicam yeah. Steadicam was two thousand three. I bought it. Who who shot that video? It wasn't Harris, I guess. No, it might have been Daniel Pearl, but I don't remember. I did a bunch of music videos with Daniel Pearl and Harris shot Dave a lot of Daniels. music videos at the time, right? Oh, Dave Daniels. Yeah, I know Dave. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Double D. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> wow, he was... Yeah, okay. Yeah, I know. He's been around longer than I always remember. <laughs> Whoa. Dave Daniels. Oh, yeah. Yeah, his time oh, in yeah. New York. He was there a long time, yeah. Um, yeah, I did a lot of jobs with Dave. Um, That's both, you know, grip, electric, and Steadicam and operator. Right. Did you ever do music videos as Steadicam operator? Yeah. Oh, you did? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I always hated them, that's why. <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't do a lot of them. I wasn't really... But it was one of the reasons I got into it. You know, like, there were just times where I was like, oh, man, I, got, I can do this. I got to, I gotta, you know. But I, the, that gaffer was like, don't buy a steady cam. They're always breaking. The guys are all, you know, because it was uh-huh. three A's and masters back then. Yeah. He's like, these guys are all, you know, well, always, you know, getting driven up the wall by their stuff breaking down. He's like, you don't want to own that stuff. Right. So... And you didn't listen. I didn't listen. It's very smart. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was definitely the worst advice I ever got. I, I should have started doing Steadicam at you know nineteen, the first time I touched one. Uh, not that I could have afforded one, but I you know, yeah. If it was my idea to do it right then and to stick with it, I could have you know. So I was working all the time as an equipment electric, so I right. could have saved and bought sure, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Okay, so we're we're. <laughs> it's already an hour hour 10 or something um time's flown um <laughs> no the the mr robot stuff do you know anything about the next season no okay do you know if sam directed all the episodes oh yeah sam's never gonna not direct after first again. season he directed it all yes yeah okay um interesting um did todd campbell shoot this last season yes okay cool um what else was i gonna ask you I was really, it's so my, as a matter of fact, if, if you see my bookshelf over there, I have every, pretty much every Chuck Palahniuk book ever written uh-huh. and Chuck wrote Fight Club. Oh, okay. So you get my, I mean, yeah. a lot of his books are very different, but you get my sensibility. I'm into For that sure. kind of thing. So like, yeah, no, I was very disappointed to not be able to go back and were uh, they like right at the same time or? Yeah, we just wrapped yeah on Monday Power, and I was DPing two of the last five episodes. So I was. Oh, that's know, another uh, factor too. You weren't going to get to DP on Mr. Robot, right? Yeah. Yeah, you know. So it's a. I get it. It was a tough choice to make, but I had to. You know, like I, I just I wasn't getting. You know, Power has been so good to me. You know, like they've already, you know. They haven't offered me anything for any of the spinoffs, but they've like said, "Oh, you know, let's keep talking this summer and get something going." So, right, um, you know, I just, you know, I just felt that there's more longevity in it. 
you know, yeah. Sam's going to come back here. You know, he lives here with his wife. and Right. Um, I get it. It's a career thing. Yeah. You know, I have two kids. It's not like I'm coming out to L.A. to do a show. Yeah. Right. You don't need to. That's what's so nice about New York now. Right. You guys have so much there. Um, does anything shoot on Long Island? Uh, some of the big um, old Grumman studios where they built all the boats and stuff are have been converted. So there's big shoots out there now. Oh, there are? Yeah. Oh, Grumman, Grumman used to have like a factory out there or something? Yeah. So they've con- yeah so Did they like, build boats? Yeah. Boats, planes. Oh. Well, I knew planes, yeah. but... Oh, but yeah. they did, um, what was the one about Noah's Ark? Noah was there and, um, you know, some USA shows have shot on Long Island. And, oh, okay. Well, but cool. yeah, I mean, I, I rarely work by my house. Right. Unfortunately. <laughs> You're always in Brooklyn or Queens or Manhattan. Yeah. Right. Yeah. For a while, for a while, a person of interest knew that I lived there. So when they came to Long Island, they made sure they had, you know, had me on. That but, you'd get the call. Yeah. Um, you don't have a crash pad or anything in the city, do you? I don't have a crash pad. I think about it, but I basically, you know, if I need a hotel, I'll get one for myself. A production will furnish one usually. Really? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I've told them, like, so, like you know, you don't want me to be tired. You know, like, you don't want the A camera operator to not be able to give you. To be destroyed. The, the best yeah. that they can give you. You know, like, and if, you know, the, luckily over the past couple seasons has gotten much better. Like, definitely season two i think me and my first ac who also lives on long island we're in a hotel three nights a week wow production on production we really know. yeah that's good yeah that's good do you carpool since you live no because we live uh opposite sides of the island oh. he lives further out totally different side. way into the city yeah oh gotcha yeah that's too bad <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah, but putting you in a hotel—that's that's good of them. They've that's been on very power. good about it. Power has been, you know, as like I said, they've always taken care of us. You know, uh, any pushback that I ever got, and I was like, you know, I just said, look, I'm just looking out for the best interest of the show. I'm not, you know, I'm not telling you I want a hotel so I can go party. I'm going to go to a hotel and go to sleep, right? And get ten hours of sleep and come back here, and it's going to be the only ten hours of sleep that I get in a row all week. You know, right. so. You know, I'm going to come back here fresh, ready to, you know, run your set and make sure I'm delivering the best images I can for you guys. Um, you know, and they've always gone. That makes a lot of sense. Let's let's do it. Good. Yeah. Nice. All right. I think we can wrap it up. All right. Great. Have you said everything you wanted to say? Who knows? I could talk forever, I guess. <laughs> but uh, you know, thanks for having me on. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for coming. I appreciate you. Like coming straight from the airport <laughs> really yeah do. i mean it was pretty great you know to come out here and do this and have it fit in like i had just agreed to come out to the union meeting yeah and then i got the message from you i was like oh look at that perfect timing yeah well i th- thank you uh, very much i appreciate it thanks I appreciate you were it great well. thanks for telling me all about mr robot <laughs> no problem <laughs> Thanks again to Aaron for coming in on short notice. I really appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, If you'd like to check out Best Day, Worst Day, like I've mentioned a few times, you can do so at patreon.com slash walking backwards. Thank you to Tiff and Steadicam for their support. And thank you to Walter Clausen FX for their support. All right. Thanks for listening. I'll be back next week with another new episode.